All right, and welcome to episode number two of Throwing Bagels. I'm Kevin Mooney, joined by Chris Douglas. Hey, Chris. How's it going, everybody? Jay. Hey, Mo. Hey, How you doing? How are you? Fantastic. And uh, let's just jump right into it, man. We got a very special guest, our first guest of the Throwing Bagels podcast. It's an inaugural honor for the community engagement specialist at Syracuse.com. He's also host of On the Block with Brent Axe weekdays at four on ESPN Radio Syracuse. It's the one and only Mr. Brent Axe. Brent, thank you for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. So I'm the first guest on this here podcast. So I'm going to ask the first question. From the first guest, why are we throwing away perfectly good bagels? What, 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 is, what is going on here? Bagels are delicious. We shouldn't be throwing them away. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, to answer your question, uh, that was a uh, a tradition that Oswego State hockey fans had when they scored a goal against Plattsburgh. They would throw bagels on the ice. And That's it was right. because, yeah. right, because Oswego shut Plattsburgh out in Plattsburgh uh, in 90, 98, 97, 97, 98 season. First time any team had ever <laughs> shut out Plattsburgh in its own barn. Plattsburgh used to throw tennis balls on the ice when they scored against Oswego because of Oswego's ugly yellow jerseys. They thought they were ugly, but they were great. Um, so so they had that tradition, Plattsburgh did. And then Oswego fans said, you know what? We're going to start throwing the bagels. And okay, here we go. Throwing bagels. By one semester at Oswego, I should have known this. <laughs> But I didn't. it didn't last. It didn't last very long. No, no. and they certainly and they certainly won't let them do it in in the new campus center. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Too nice in there now. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so amazing, Brent. We look back a week a week ago this very minute. Basically, Bills Bengals kicks off mm. on Monday Night Football. Uh, Demar Hamlin suffers cardiac arrest. At one point, didn't have a pulse, and they they revive him. They rush him to the hospital. The Monday Night Football game is canceled. Uh, during the week, the Bills announced that longtime broadcaster John Murphy had suffered a stroke. Uh, he's re- recovering, thankfully. Um, Hamlin later on wakes up, eventually starts talking to family members and teammates. The Bills decide to guarantee Hamlin's salary um, at that point. Uh, Naheem Hines takes yesterday's kickoff, 96 yards for a touchdown. Bills defeat the Patriots. And earlier today, Hamlin is transferred to a Buffalo area hospital. Doctors say he's able to walk normally, hasn't suffered any neurological damage. I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around what's happened in Buffalo Bills land for the past seven days. Yeah, this week's been a hell of a month, guys. I mean, just incredible. (laughs) Everything that has happened. And go before that, the two blizzards in Buffalo and you know, what happened in, in the top shooting in that city and just everything they've been through. And now you, you throw this on the pile. So it's it's incredible that we're sitting here a week later and DeMar Hamlin is back home. He's tweeting during the game, just like, you know, just like us, you know, just watching the game saying, oh, my God, you know, he took the kickoff return for a touchdown. And we all got to know some people like DeMar Hamlin. You know, if you weren't a Bills fan, who knew, you know, who DeMar Hamlin was? Now the whole country knows, like he's your next door neighbor. And of course, you know, when you look at the training staff, 
for the Buffalo Bills and, and the doctors at UC Medical and these people that deserve more attention than instead of when a tragedy happens, right? It's incredible to think about everything and how this team rallied around it, what happened that night and the response by the NFL, the response by the broadcasters. I thought the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did an amazing job. Scott Van Pelt did an amazing job. I'm going to leave some people out here, but a lot of people that just reported what we needed to know and didn't speculate. And that's a hard thing to do to be on the air for that long and not have a lot of information coming your way. And everybody's sitting there on bated breath to find out how DeMar is right. But man, it all came out yesterday and it started with that kickoff return. And now, I mean, it's hard. I've fallen in this trap before as a bills fan boys, but it's hard not to believe they're a team of destiny, right? I mean, just come on. Everybody's I mean, rooting for the Bills now. This is this is gonna be incredible. It's true. I mean, I'm wearing a Giants hat right now. So obviously I'm rooting for the Giants, but let's be honest, they're not going very far in the playoffs. So I know obviously going to school in Oswego, I'm a I'm a downstater, but going to school in Oswego, I know tons of Bills fans. So the Bills are my team for the rest of the playoffs, as long as the Giants lose at some point, you know. But the 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 amount of heartbreak that Bills fans have had. For years, right? Not just this year, not not just this this pet this season, this whole year, last year as a whole, with everything that's gone on in Buffalo. Just you know, to from from Scott Norwood on the way through to all the Super Bowls, right? The heartbreak that Bills fans, the 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 miracle in Tennessee. I feel like they're due. I feel like this is this everything that's come around, everything that's happened. It just feels like it's there. It's the time. You know, what I mean, it just kind of feels like it's the it's the moment. It really does. And, and the difference between that and everything else you mentioned, Jay, is they have the quarterback again, right? They had a little moment there with Doug Flutie and like 17 other guys. All those, you talk about heartbreak. They went 17 years. They went, my child is almost 17 years old. They went a teenager without going to the postseason after four straight Super Bowls and everything that was the success. And the common denominator was Jim Kelly through all that. And now they got Josh Allen. That's what you need. You got to have the franchise quarterback. I mean, they're filling in a lot of the pieces. Just look at Sunday's game. Naheem Hines. They got him, you know, three weeks ago. Dude's running back two kickoff returns for touchdown. Uh, Cole Beasley comes back. John Brown, they sign off. You know, I think he was bagging my groceries last week. Dude's got two touchdowns in that game, right? Gives one to Denny Kellington, the trainer that we brought up earlier. So it's a combination of the stars you know, but the players that are filling in the pieces, Right. And they've got the the coach, the GM, the quarterback. They came 13 seconds away from beating Kansas City last year. And I look, I'll we'll never know, but I am fully convinced that if Buffalo won that game, they would have steamrolled to the Super Bowl the way they were playing at that point. So now they've got to pick up that momentum again because all that aside for DeMar Hamlin and everything from last week, that was a huge game. I mean, that deter- would have determined home field advantage. And now we're in this weird situation here. So the bills have to win an extra game. It would appear. Cause remember they had a game in hand on Kansas city. They'd be the one seed. So just throw another obstacle in their way, right? <laughs> we got enough. Just put another one out there. It'll make the story better. It, it just seems like when you talk about the link between a city and its, and its team, I'd be hard to point out another team that has a stronger link between its residents and a team like, like the Buffalo bills at this point. You really would. I mean, that team, the say the Sabres look like a hockey team again, so that's mm-hmm. great, but they haven't been to the playoffs. <laughs> they have the longest streak in the NHL, just like the bills had in football for a while there. But 
Guys, having you know been a Bills fan my entire life, gone to more games there than I could count. I was a member of the Bills radio network for three years. I cannot explain to you the connection and the fabric that this city has, this community has, the Bills mafia with that team. I mean, they just it, – it is everything to them. And I cannot mm-hmm. even explain to you what it would mean to Bills fans everywhere if, if they won the Super Bowl. I'd love to see it. My, my best way I could – verbalize it is just think of that scene in Bruce Almighty, you know, when the Sabres won the Stanley cup and yeah. the, the whole thing went haywire for a night. Like that's the best thing I can come up with. Or everybody's just going to be in stunned shock and won't know what to say for like three weeks. It's, it's going to be either one of those two at this point. So well, I'm biased because man, I want one. I just want one. Yeah. Having gone through those four Super Bowls and everything that we don't have mm-hmm. to list here that this, this team has been through. And it's just kind of like, okay, you know, God, if this is some kind of message about adversity, like I got it, I'm with you. I know, just I just want one, and then we can go back to suffering for the rest of my life. So hopefully, this is it. From yesterday, right? The 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 three three touchdowns by, uh, right? The three touchdowns thrown. Then you have the three years since they've had a, uh, a return, return touchdown, yep. right. It's just, it's the, it's, it's mind boggling. The amount of threes in there, mm-hmm. right. That, that makes you think, how is this not, you know, something like that's just going to work out. It, I'll it, take it. I'll take it, know? Jay. Cause the old way is not mm-hmm. working. So I look this voodoo. What, what did they say in major league? Let's sacrifice a live chicken. I'll do whatever <laughs> yeah. it takes. Let's go. I'll do whatever it takes. And you know, I mean, you brought up Scott Norwood, you know, as a giants fan, like mm-hmm. I I'm scarred for life. I refuse to watch a replay of that kick to this day. I can't do it. I just, it, it horrifies me. So I don't blame you. Just one, just one is always just for, hey, look, it's been 11 years since any of the, the New York teams in the major, major sports have won. I think the New York CFC in the MLS, I think mm-hmm. is the only team to win a title since 2012. So yep. all of New York, really is overdue and i think if the bills are that team uh i'm all for it i i'm on the bandwagon um and i have been for the last few years so we're all really crossing our fingers um but uh, brent I, I know the day after the the hamlin um injury you had a great article in in syracuse.com and really one of the things you mentioned was the the nfl has worked to desensitize us to the to the violence that happens uh, day in and day out until that game happens and they couldn't do that anymore. Um, so, so really it, it's, it, it was, could this be a watershed moment um, if you will, f- for the NFL? There's no question about it. And the most encouraging thing there guys is it came from the coaches, right? Sean McDermott talks to Zach Taylor. So we can't play. I have to be with my player, right? It'd be one thing mm-hmm. if it were their players revolting, we won't go back out there. And, you know, you had members of the Cincinnati Bengals warming up thinking they're going back out there. That's understandable. I mean, it was unprecedented. These guys, they're trained to do that, right? In comes the ambulance, out goes the ambulance, play again. But you could just see it on the looks uh, on their faces that this was different. This was not the typical guy tears his ACL and they cart him off and he gives the thumbs up and, and let's go. So the NFL needed that hard lesson. And now they know it's okay. You can stop a game. If you have to like, don't do it unless it's absolutely necessary, but this wasn't a, like a tornado came through and it's like, okay, let's play again tomorrow. This was life put right in front of them. Think of how the NFL has done that tap dance for years. They're, they're right on that line 
between literally life and death with the violence in that sport. This wasn't a particularly violent hit per se, but it was a life situation. I think, you know, the multi-billion dollar machine of the NFL that normally just steps over the bodies, quite literally, in a sense, had to learn that lesson. And I had a chance today, guys, in the columns up on Syracuse.com, if you can read it, I talked to Tim Neal. Tim Neal Mm. in 2001 was a trainer at Syracuse and a referee went down on the field and he revived him on the field and they're friends to this day. He, uh, the, the referee, Jerry Bram is his name talks in Tim Neal's class. Tim worked with Denny Kellington while they were both at Syracuse and told that story a hundred times. And they watched the video. And I love hearing stories like that, especially when it's related to Syracuse people. Right. And like, man, they were there. A Syracuse person was right there on the spot when it was needed. And, you know, just the connect the dots. Denny heard that story from Tim all the training and everything. You might never have to ever do that in real time in your life, but it all came together and the right people were in the right spot when a DeMar Hamlin went down. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up the NFL and how, you know, maybe they're taking a look at it's okay to stop a game and that sort of thing. Did the NFL, because it seemed like yesterday Hamlin gave us permission to feel good about the NFL again. I mean, all yeah. the excitement and the buildup and he's texting and, and and tweeting and whatnot. Did the NFL kind of hide behind that? And, you know, it's okay to feel good, but at the same time, like they're kind of ignoring the big picture of, oh man, this sport is still very violent. In a way. Yeah. I mean, in, in another way, they were up front and right there, there's Roger Goodell in Buffalo yesterday and he's doing interviews. So shout out to my friend, Sal Capaccio who got to interview him. And, you know, Raj is not a guy that's out there doing a lot of interviews. So in a way they were up front, but look at the end of the day, the it's a TV show and you know, the Very TV show so. is going to put out there what's going to make you feel good. Right. And they are kind of in a way hiding from this. I and mean, this, this was an event that could have happened anywhere. It was a cardiac mm-hmm. arrest, but the sport while it's safer now, it's still a particularly violent sport that you know we all accept i mean look pot calling the kettle black here i'm I'm as big a football fan as you're Mm -hmm. gonna find we all just kind of make that deal with ourselves Mm -hmm. when we sit down and watch football but just no it just seems like nothing touches the mighty national football league it it is incredible what i don't want to say they get away with that's not the right way to put it but you know what i mean like if some Mm -hmm. of the stuff happened in other sports they wouldn't exist and if anything like the nfl just gets stronger from it it's it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen but that's the NFL for you. If if the NFL did not exist and someone suggested it today, how do you think it would be received? I think it would be received like Christmas morning. Look how popular UFC is. But, you know, people yeah, yeah. have Fair a human enough. instinct to watch other people fight. You know, for a long time it was boxing. It's just there's something about that man in the arena thing. And people doing things that we have human instincts to do but rarely act out on yeah a guy cut me off on 690 the other day i wanted to punch him in the throat but i can't do that (laughs) but i can watch football players do that right so that's that that's always going to be there so if it wasn't the nfl kevin it would be something else it it, it would absolutely be something else and i'm not a ufc fan i have nothing against it but i'm just not Mm -hmm. a fan so i'm glad it's the nfl to be honest with you to your point right um the nfl do we really think that they're going to take this as a lesson learned, right? Do we really feel like the NFL, they don't guarantee salaries, right? In the in the one sport that you feel like salaries should probably be more guaranteed than any right. other because of injuries, right? Baseball players get get can 
stub a toe and they're getting paid $13 million a year, you know, but NFL players don't get their salaries grant, you know, thankfully Hamlin's salary is going to be paid out no matter what, because the bills are just just there. They graciously are like, no, we're paying his salary. Mm -hmm. Do we really think the NFL is actually going to learn a lesson from this? And, and, you know, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think it's going to happen. My answer is no. And here's why, because we're still watching the ratings went up. They didn't go down. The only thing that's going to, the NFL is going to learn a lesson from, I mean, they'll learn lessons from this and procedures will put into place. I don't want to just make them sound like they're completely heartless here, but how about this? You, you brought it up guys. They guaranteed DeMar Hamlin's salary. Oh, Hey, good for you. Like the multi-billion dollar operation is going to give DeMar Hamlin his $4 million, right? Like the fact that that's normal in football, you go on the IR, you're not going to get as much money in the most violent sport there is. Like, there's something screwed up about that. So let's not give them the golf clap because they're going to give them all his money and they had to negotiate that. They put that out. Like, hey, look what we did. He's going to get all his money. Well, that's like obvious yeah, that he should right. get all his money and he should, he should get the best care possible uh, given the sport that he plays, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. I, I remember uh, former Jets and Bills head coach Rex Ryan used to say that football is a there's a hundred one hundred percent injury rate when it when it comes to football because and we become we do we watch it and we don't really acknowledge the broken fingers the pulled hamstrings you know the the the, the rolled over ankles the knees the elbows you name it it happens day in and day out to every, almost every player on a roster. So, you know, for as we need to really put that on ourselves in some aspects to remember that there is a hundred percent injury rate and these guys are getting hurt all the time. Well, here's the thing, Kevin, it's not a hundred percent, but it's a high percentage of the football mm-hmm. players that I've talked to through the years that have gone through not only those things, but serious things. And almost all of them say, I do it again tomorrow. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They know what they're signing up for. They know what they're a part of and they'd all do it again tomorrow. I think a lot of them in the old days wish, you know, like the, the turf at three river stadium and even the carrier dome wasn't just like, you know, some cheap carpet you can get at home Depot. Like now they've got the field turf and everything. Certainly they wish conditions were better, but they all say the same thing. I would do it again. The only way it's going to change in my opinion is the next collective bargaining agreement. The players literally need to take a stand this time and say, we don't care. We don't care how long we sit out. We don't care if you use replacement players. We, we our salaries. Need. I think the fans, I think the fans are finally getting to a point now where as, as annoyed as a lot of fans will be, if there's no real quality football, right? Quote unquote. I think the fans would actually side with the players on this one finally and say, they need their salaries guaranteed. Like if this, if the time has come, you know, we've seen enough, you know, I think the own, we know how much, you know, Roger Goodell makes and his owners and all the owners make, you know, there's no ownership in the NFL, right. That has, that's hard up for money, like in any other sport, right. All these owners are get, make up globs of money because of the football, of the TV contracts and everything like that. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think, that's that's what that's it's the I think that's the breaking point. I think if the I, players I sit agree out. with I agree with you in spirit, Jay. Here's where I'll disagree with you. The, the billionaires will always win the fight because they're billionaires. You know, to be an NFL owner, you have to be one of the richest people in the world already. And you can ride it out. Like they might take a PR hit. I think you're right. I think the fan base is more on the player side. Remember, 2011 is as close as we came to this thing shutting down. 
2021 it just went through like you know uh, you read you woke up one day like hey there's a new collective bargaining agreement it's like whoa wait a minute this is kind of a big deal right but the billionaires can outride the millionaires and maybe the people that don't win their fantasy leagues will be with the you know the the players in this case but the ones that do are like where's my football and i think eventually that that would that would win out if you will Right. Let's uh, let's move to to Syracuse. And we've mentioned uh, Syracuse football, uh, of course, Denny Kellington, the the man who saved Hamlin's life, uh, former head trainer of SU football, uh, one of you know several links you know between Buffalo and, and Syracuse. Uh, the Syracuse football season wrapped up uh, with with a record of seven and six after falling to uh, Minnesota in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, what what is your what are your thoughts on that season that just finished? Let's look at this in, in two parts. Mm-hmm. So when Syracuse started six and zero, that showed what they can be. When they finished seven and six, that showed who they are. Starting six and zero was great because when I looked at that schedule, I said, "Man, there's that's a front loaded schedule. If you can bank as many wins as you can, you're going bowling." And I think at the end of the day, people are like, "You go to a bowl game, Dino can come back for an eighth year," and I think everybody's okay with that. And then they flirted with disaster on the back end of the schedule when it got harder and when their depth was challenged, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a double-edged sword because you showed, like, at one point, you know, TCU, here they are playing for the national championship on Monday night as we speak. And both Syracuse and TCU were 6-0 and at one point this year. TCU was 201 odds to win the national championship. They run a 3-3-5. They were 5-7 and last year, just like Syracuse. So it's a Syracuse fan, you're like, well – wait a minute, I know they're in Texas and there's a whole lot of things I'm leaving out of this conversation. But the dangerous thing was they showed what they could be, right? I remember Donovan McNabb and I remember Dwight Franey and you know, go through the, the names. I, I was there in 87 when they went undefeated. I was 10, but I was there, right? So now Syracuse football, is it's great that they're in the ACC, but even within the context of the ACC, it's a once in a decade thing where they can really go for it, make a run, win 10 games and actually threaten to win the league. Right. So what they've got to get back to is not going undefeated. Like that's just a foolhardy premise at this point, but it can't be a bowl game. Every presidential cycle, it's got to be eight out of 10 years. You go to a bowl game, right? Not Mm -hmm. 2014, 2018, 2022. Like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. You want to be big boy college football, You got to go to a bowl game pretty much every year, right? Start there and then try and work your way up. Speaking of big boy college football, how has NIL and the transfer portal impacted this program? Uh, Because you're looking at other schools are just grabbing Syracuse players. I mean, just out of the blue and just, hey, they're going to get better there. But how are we going to get better? How is Syracuse football going to get better? Chris, we could do this whole podcast uh, on this for sure, (laughs) right? Syracuse is behind. They're behind. Now, to be fair, they have caught up in a way. Just today, they put out a press release that they now have an NIL store where you can buy a Benny Williams jersey. You can buy uh, players, lacrosse players. I mean, you name it, and they get a cut of the money. That's NIL in its purest form. We make money off your name, image, and likeness, and here's five bucks a shirt that you sell. Boom. Great. I also saw today that Michigan has its own fund that has $50,000 in it already to just pay players to stay. Like Syracuse lost Deuce Chestnut to LSU. They lost uh, Jihad Carter to Ohio State. Michigan's starting to fund where they're just like, oh, you want to go somewhere else? Well, 
we got, let me see, how much would you like? We, here's 50 grand for you, right? Whatever it is. Syracuse has a big time booster. His name's Adam Weitzman. He's a multi-millionaire. I'm sure you guys know him, yep. Instagram star. Mm -hmm. He sits courtside in the Spike Lee seats at the JMA Wireless Dome. And he, he brought Josh Allen to Syracuse, New York, which, I mean, come on, the world's colliding there. He has a million dollar offer out for a four star, pardon me, a five star football player and a five star basketball player if he had come to Syracuse. I talked to the athletic director. I do an interview with John Wildhack just over a month ago, and I bring this up. And to his credit, John Wildhack is honest with me and he says, that's not enough. Wow. We've already evolved past that, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you in Syracuse, New York, compete with the Ohio States and the LSUs of the world when they want your players? Yeah. So in the NIL world, they're behind. The transfer portal is an equalizer. It swings both ways. Syracuse got a player from Alabama. They got a player from Notre Dame. They got a player from Nebraska. Because Syracuse can offer them something they didn't get there. You, you'll play here. And by the way, Syracuse is going to have four players taken in the NFL draft upcoming. So something's working. Syracuse is still big enough that you can get that exposure and be a part of something big, right? So we're kind of in between everything. But I think the fear is that NIL is just making the rich richer. I read something the other day that the NIL in its purest form, right, and like you you kind of mentioned it, Brent, it's not really being followed, right? Mm -hmm. NIL is supposed to be name, image, likeness, right? You get a cut of your jersey. You get a cut, you know, of an, you know, an ad that's being, that's an advertisement for you. It's not, you want $50,000? Sure, come to my school. I'll give you $50,000. You want a million dollars? Sure, come to my school. I'll give you, that's like, it's that's all of a sudden it. become, it's all, yeah. right, it's all become free agency. That's really what it's become. It's not, you know, the same thing. And whose fault is that, Jay? That's the NCAA's fault. Because for years, the NCAA fought this very thing, giving student athletes, and that's a term the NCAA made up, by the way. That's a whole different story for a different day. Giving these athletes the money they deserve that they were making off them. So they fought it for years, spent millions of dollars. Then in the summer of 2021, I believe it was, they get their ass handed to them in the Supreme Court of the United States. Not on this issue, but something similar. In which Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, in no certain terms, warns them, don't come back here because you're going to lose again. They say, that's June. Then they say, okay, um, hmm, uh, yeah, July 1st, that NIL thing, yeah, you guys can do that. They just opened the fire hose with no rules, no regulations, nothing. And everybody just kind of had to figure it out on their own, right? So that's why we're in this world. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I laughed as hard as I've laughed in months when the NCAA put out a story recently, like they're going to start regulating this stuff. Like, what? How are you going to start regulating this? You have been so behind on this. And by the way, nobody respects you anymore. Nobody cares when the NCAA knocks at your door. You used to fear that when the NCAA knocked at your door. Now it's it's like, you know, I'm going way back here and I, nobody listening to this is going to get this reference, but I get this reference. Al Pacino and Justice for All, right? Who saw that movie back in oh the early goodness. days? Oh my goodness. No, you're out of order. This whole court's out of order, right? That's what you do when the NCAA comes knocking. You're like, who are you? Right? I, don't get out of here. We're, we're just, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do. Uh, we, we did want to get your thoughts uh, shifting to SU basketball. Mm. Uh, they just coming off a loss to Virginia, uh, 10 and six 
record overall on the season. So 16 games down, 15 games to go. These are some really tough 15 games uh, coming up. So so where does SU basketball stand uh, at the midseason point? You brought it up, 16 down, 15 to go, and they don't have a win of note. They do not have a significant win in the eyes of the selection committee. The beauty of college basketball today, guys, is the selection committee lays it all out for you. We have these net rankings. It's broken down into four quads, and we're going to determine who gets in our tournament based on this system. So Syracuse did not pick up a non-conference win of note in the prior games before they got into ACC play. Now we're into ACC play. Virginia was a quad, I think, top 15 team. Would have been a huge win for them, and they – Look, they came back from a 23-point deficit and made that a game, but they lost. So it's getting late early, as Yogi Berra once said, right, to pick up wins to be in that conversation. This is no longer are the days where it's like, oh, hey, you won 18, 19 games and you play in the ACC? Come on in. No, they're going to look at your resume. Who'd you play? Who'd you beat? And right now, as we stand, they haven't beat anybody. And this is an interesting team. It's a young team. It's a team that's got some flair and some fight and some exciting players like Judah Mintz. And you got a couple of veterans and Joe Girard and Jesse Edwards and a whole lot of other guys trying to find their way. And they're trying to find their way, as you said, Kevin, with a schedule coming up that is just unforgiving. So I'm as curious as anybody how this is going to go. Because last year we saw something we've never seen before. And that's a losing season under Jim Beheim. Well, you only get so many mulligans in that department when that's the standard, right? So if they flirt with that again, the conversations are going to get very interesting around here. They already have. There's a lot of fans that are just like, look, it's time. Mm. Let's just turn the page here. They have another losing season. I don't think they have a choice. It's a great point. And when you when you look at, I know you touched a little bit on SU football before, the program as a whole, uh, SU athletics as a whole. Now, now, of course, the soccer, men's soccer won the national title. Uh, Look at Chris. He's a couple weeks ago. Love it. Uh, SU uh, women's hockey has been very strong uh, the past couple of seasons as well. They've been a force in their conference. Um, Where do you see SU athletics as a whole? Especially when, I mean, a lot of people up here, they look at football and and football and men's basketball. Uh, Do you sense that they're just a lull and then we're going to see a resurgence or is it this, this slow, gradual decline? You brought it up. I mean, look, the, the, the anchors are football and basketball, mm-hmm. and they're not what they should be. Lacrosse had its worst season of all time last year, too. I think they're going to bounce back strong. Gary Gate, they had the best recruiting class they've ever had. Like, they'll be fine. You got soccer winning national championships and, the, you know, the so-called Olympic sports that are carrying weight right now, which is great. It's an amazing story. But your two front-facing programs are not what they should be. Right. So the perception will be you're down. The perception will be what's wrong. The perception will be what's up. You know, if you combine all three of those sports we mentioned, uh, football, men's basketball, lacrosse, throw women's basketball in there, which hired Felicia Leggett, Jack, and has completely Mm -hmm. changed its image. And I'm excited about what they're doing under her for sure. But I think the perception is you got to bounce back a little bit here. We brought up NIL. The perception is you're behind there. It's like Syracuse just kind of fits this old school image. Like when I watched that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 Requiem for the big East, that's Syracuse. And it feels like ever since they went to the ACC, it's not now you had to go right. But fans don't root for TV money, right? That's why they get nostalgic when they watch that. And they think about the old days of the big East and what used to be there. That's legit. 
like the ACC, I like to say it this way, guys, it's, it's sanitized. Yes. Right. Syracuse doesn't sure. have a natural rival in football. They don't, don't tell me Boston college. Mm. Who's our rival in, in basketball. Don't tell me it's Duke. Ask a hundred Duke fans. They're going to say it's North Carolina. Yeah. Don't tell me it's Pitt. Pitt's just like the neighbor you run into once a year at the, you know, the, like the, the block party, like, Hey, good to see you again. Right. But that's not a rivalry. Like Duke, North Carolina's a rivalry. Like Michigan, Ohio State is a rivalry. You know what was Syracuse, Georgetown. Oh yeah, Syracuse, Penn State. That was a freaking rivalry, right? So they did what they had to do. They got on the other side of the velvet rope, but it was at the cost of a lot of things that make sports fans emotional and make them invest in who you are and what you do. Uh, Brent, quickly, one one thing about one more thing about Syracuse. If Bayheim is to go, right? And we've the three of us have discussed this, you know, that the, you said it, it's about it might be about that time who who could possibly be his replacement. Right. They need a good recruiter. Right. It's is is Syracuse like a like a Michigan where it's a Michigan man type thing. It's a Syracuse an ex Syracuse alum who or are they going to go outside the program? You know, is it going to be Jerry McNamara or they that's the downside of that, Jay? When Bayheim steps aside. They're just going to elevate. I think it's going to be Adrian Autry, actually. Okay. And you're Syracuse. You know, you're a high-level, big-time program in the ACC with one of the best practice facilities in the country, 35,000 people in the in the Dome at its best. If you, if you cast that net wider, you'd get a great coach. Some people are like, bring Mike Hopkins back from Washington, which, frankly, I, I wouldn't mind that. But my fear is that John Wildhack – we'll treat this like it's the family business. Like, you know, the son takes over for the dad running the grocery store. It's like, come on, man. You got to think bigger than that. Nothing yeah. against Adrian Autry or Jerry McNamara, but you can't just take the path of least resistance. You are Syracuse University basketball. And Jim Beheim has been here so long that it feels like, you know, he's the old man that's run the grocery store for so long. And you can't picture it without him. Well, you can because you're Syracuse University. I'm not trying to diss Jim Beheim. I mean, he has meant everything to this program. Sure. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. But how long are we going to keep kissing the ring here? You've got to recognize who you are. So when that time comes, it is my fervent hope that John Wildhack doesn't just elevate Autry. This is not a family business, right? Cast a wider net, see what's out there. Right. You've been covering Syracuse uh, you've been on the air for this is your 21st year now I believe yeah, believe not. it or not yeah excellent where, where is the time gone um <laughs> but let, let's let's wrap up by by just talking a little bit about uh how you you grew up in Syracuse what was the path for you you were like you said you were 10 years old watching SU football other tremendous 1987 campaign um, what generated the spark for you to, to launch into a, a sports broadcasting business? It's really by accident, guys. I got to be honest with you. I mean, I grew up in Syracuse. My dad took me to all the games. I was a huge fan. And when I was in high school, at Bishop Blood in high school in Syracuse, it, just by accident, one of my friends was like, you know, you're always talking about sports. Why don't you go do the morning announcements? Shout out to sister Nancy, who used to do the morning announcements and nice. I love her to death, but she put us all to sleep. Right. <laughs> so I somehow talked sister Nancy into letting me like, just do like a show on the morning PA. And I kind of got the bug for it. And then one day I'm at Bishop Ludden and I see this flyer on the wall that says Z89 at Syracuse university is looking for interns. 
was like, yeah, that sounds fun. So I go to Z89, which at the time was actually 89.1 The Pulse. They played alternative music, you know, Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and all the good stuff for a couple of years. But they did sports and they did all kinds of things. And guys, I fell in love with it. I They just let me do everything, right? Summertime, all shifts, every hour in the book, right? So then I, it comes to be time when I got to go to go to school. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Right. I, I distinctly remember looking through college catalogs and seeing it. Herkimer County Community College radio television broadcast. Like this is how naive I was. I'm working at a Syracuse University radio station for a year. And I had no idea this is like what you could do in college. I just thought of it as a radio station. Right. So I, <laughs> I turned to my dad. I'm like, hey, look, you can do this in college. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Herkimer and the thing about community college guys, it's beautiful because they don't mess around. They're just like, all right, boom, go. Yeah. Yep. Right. So my first semester at Herkimer, I got an internship at WIBX in Utica with my friend, Brad Davies. He's a dear friend of mine to this day. And I just did everything right. I was only supposed to show up one day a week. I just started showing up every day. And then after about nine months, they're like, well, you're here all the time. I might as well pay you to do something. Right. So I did sports and news and sales, and I was Tukey, the parrot mascot for Light 98.7 and <laughs> setting up remotes. Just whatever they needed me to do, I did it. And eventually, I took over for Brad in 2000, hosting Sports Watch. Two years later, I got the call to come to Syracuse, my hometown, my dream place, all I ever wanted to be. And you said it, 21 years later, through uh, three different radio stations, through working for the Buffalo Bills radio network for three years, eventually latching on to Syracuse.com, being asked to write a part-time blog all the way here to being the full-time sports columnist, still doing it. And how lucky am I? I mean, I still get up every day and it still hits me. I'm like, man, like I, this is pretty cool that I get to do this. It, it, it's never lost on me and never taken for granted what this job is and what, and what it means to people. And after a while, you know, look, we're we're not doing what Denny Kellington did on the field Monday night, but you know, after a while, your voice has some some responsibility, and in the weight of that is is never lost on me. What you're doing, what you're saying, and you know how it can influence people. So you just try and do it the best job that you can. Be honest with people. That's the beauty of radio, guys. Podcast, you can't hide, you can't fake this. You know, somebody listens to you ten hours a week, they're going to get to know you. They're going to get to know who you are, right? So, you know, people still like it. I don't know if that's just my mom that's hitting the button like 40 times or so. I don't know, but someone's out there listening. Somebody's reading it. So uh, uh, I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful for that. Brent, uh, Axe, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Throwing Bagels. Uh, it's It's been an absolute blast. Uh, and uh, hopefully we will keep in touch. Maybe we'll have you back someday. Please do. Anytime, guys. Best of luck with the podcast. I'll be listening. I'll subscribe, follow it on social media and everything. I'm honored that I was your first guest. I wish you the best of luck. You're great to catch up. And uh, anytime you want to have me back, I'll be right here. Absolutely. Yep. You're you're the trivia question. You're the, the first right. guest on Throwing Bagels. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. But yeah, it, it, I just still can't get over what, what Buffalo Bills fans have gone through. It's amazing. Um, like it really is. Days. Like Holy Brent cow. did such a great job yeah. of encapsulating that whole, like the whole situation. Like, I mean, and he's right. Going back to the snowstorms that literally yeah. buried, yeah. buried that whole area with 
feet of snow, like nine feet the first time, six feet the second time. And then a player goes down. He's dead on the field. He has to get resuscitated. Their announcer has a stroke. Mm-hmm. I mean, that he's right. Like that, that's a long month and a week. Like that, it's it's amazing yeah. what has what has happened. And and then that that damn kickoff return. And holy crap, I thought the stadium was going to explode. Like yeah. what a what a sports moment that was, right? That's why we watch these uh events on television, right? Is is just to get that moment, get that that high from that from that wonderful thing that happens on the field. And hopefully the you know, I'm I'm a Giants fan, obviously. I am pulling for the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Like that is my team. My son has abandoned the Giants altogether. He doesn't care about them anymore. He's a Josh Allen fan and a Bills fan. And that says it all. I mean, it, this team has come such a long way. They've they've been in such a a lull for so many years. And to have a great quarterback and a great team to root for is is just extraordinary. And it's great for the for just upstate in general. No, uh, completely agree. The one of these years, right? We're gonna get get over the top, and and I could not be more happier for Buffalo fans yep. if it is the Buffalo Bills, and they are my. I mean, they're my number two. I mean, I'll always be a Giant fan, but but by far, and I'll have a soft spot for the Jets too because uh, they did bad for them. Uh, you Pat and you know they they did have training camp in Cortland for sure. for several years. So you know Rex Ryan doing that, uh, ultimately making that decision to bring the team to Cortland, which my backyard. Yeah. Uh, I'll always yeah. remember that. I'll always be grateful for that. Um, so yeah, I mean the Jets are certainly a long-suffering fan base. Uh, so it'd be great to see all three of these teams, um, you know, ha- experience a measure of success. Um, and but the Heinz kickoff return. I mean, Josh Allen himself said, I can't, can't, couldn't remember a play that, that struck him, uh, that touched him the way that that play mm-hmm. did. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the all-time greats uh, when you're looking at that game. Uh, and hopefully there's, there's a few more wins in the tank and, and Buffalo mm-hmm. can finally bring it home. They deserve it. They deserve it. It, it would be if of all the years, you know, I used to laugh at all, all the Buffalo Bills people that I knew, but this is the this is the one year where I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. I'm perfectly okay with it. I'm happy for you. It 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 fits. It works. It does. You brought up Rex Ryan a few times today, and all I can replay in my head was was it Tom Brady with the audible at the line that just yelled out Rex Ryan like three or four times? Do you guys remember that? Mm, <laughs> or am I bringing stuff can't up? You say don't remember. That I do. Oh no. man, it's it's you that's might, all I can remember. <laughs> Did you see Rex Ryan crying yesterday, though? On some no, uh, during not. Rex Ryan was yes, I think it was yesterday. It was Rex Ryan was talking about um, you know, everything that went on with Demar Hamlin, and he broke down, like broke down. He started to talk, and then he just started. He just broke down, and then he just he kept, uh, and then he caught himself, like able to catch him and start talking, like you know, you know. Uh, you, you should check it out it's it was yeah. it was you know it was really good i was i was i was shocked like i didn't think he had emotion like i didn't think he had feelings you know what i mean but like he uh yeah it was i was like holy crap look at that well i mean it's hard not to get caught up in that emotion though i mean it, 
this this man, this football player, is just a kid, and for him to be laying on a, on a ground with literally no life in him for a short amount of time, like that that in itself is is emotional. Then the recovery that he's made has been just unbelievable. Like that 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 doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. You know, like of course you're going to get caught up in that emotion. Like I I've, I've been emotional about it too. I mean, I've broken down on television or radio or anything like that, but. The point stands like that's that's this whole I mean, if, if you don't feel that you're not human. Right. Episode two in the books, guys. That was phenomenal. That was great. Brent was great. As always, I, I listened to a show on uh, ESPN radio in Syracuse every day at four o'clock. Um, he does an exceptional job. Uh, there's not much more I can say about that. This was uh, fantastic. And you can follow us online. Our website's now live throwing You can uh, listen to the podcast there. Uh, we are available on on uh, Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google, Apple. Not yet. Apple's being fidgety, uh, so <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll be on Apple at some point. Proprietary crap. <laughs> blah blah pixels in the artwork. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah, get over yourself. I had to sign off my mortgage to Apple, apparently, <laughs> to get into the podcast system. It was a lot of work, a lot of stuff behind the scenes <laughs> to get on Apple. Um, so yeah, hopefully you, you check us out and you follow us on any of those locations. And uh, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. We'll be joined by one of our uh, fellow SUNY Oswego grads, won't we, Chris? Yes, we will. Uh, Joe Yerdon. Uh, the noted jerk will be joining us. <laughs> and uh, he is uh, of noted hockey fame, right? The um, sure is. blog that he's running, he's doing his own subscription-based service. So hopefully we'll talk about that and get people interested in that as well. So take care, Chris, Jay, thank you. Gentlemen, as always, it's a pleasure. Take care.